0: Well, that's the thing. I have this condition. A condition? It's my memory. Amnesia.
1: No, 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 no. It's different from that. I have no short term memory. I know who I am. I know all about myself. I just, since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. And next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation.
2: Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up to their best left of the past. I am Tristan.
3: And I'm Greg.
2: How are you, Tristan? I'm I'm well. How are you, Greg? I'm also well, thank you. It's good. Just a couple of well guys.
3: Yeah. I had a couple of uh holidays. Oh, you did? Days. Days, yeah. Sons Kids with my lovely wife, Carol, for our anniversary.
2: A collection of holiday hours.
3: Yes, 48 of them, in fact. Oh, yeah. So I'm... Ready to
2: pod. Recharged. Recharged, refreshed. Speaking of fresh. We're drinking a delightful beverage uh, this afternoon, this, this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, Korea's number one selling beer, Cass.
0: Cass. Fresh. Experience.
3: Yeah. Cass Fresh. Which you may know from Korean barbecue joints or karaoke joints. Yeah,
2: we call it karaoke juice. You sure do. You're a double impact. Mm-hmm. Um, because it served us on many nights. Many, many nights. Many nights. That we wonder... If they'll ever happen again. It's COVID killed karaoke. Ding, dang, dong's gone. Who's next, karaoke world? Yeah. Musee is already Muzee gone. is already gone. What's
3: that one we went to? The I one? don't know.
2: I don't know what that one that is called. That upstairs one on George Street? The upstairs one on George Street. That'll be gone soon. That's good. <sighs> it's a damn shame. We're talking about Memento. Ah. Uh, but it's a brand new year for us. It
3: is. Yeah. The year 2000. We have flying only- cars. The only one that yeah, definitely flying cars and <laughs> robots and such. Yeah, year two thousand. The only year that's got a prefix.
1: The year, yeah, the year
2: two
1: thousand. Wow. Keep
3: going. I should give a bit of context to the year two thousand, just to frame our friends of the show. It's a long
2: time ago. A yeah. lot of people don't remember.
3: It's it's a long time ago. It's, it's also not that long ago. Yeah, but it's a different kind of era to the you know the, our usual setup. You know, much like our film today, we're going back but also going forward in some ways. Yeah, right. 2000 is later than other years.
2: Yeah, good point. Parallels. Parallels
3: and synergies and such. Mm. Uh, So think 2000, think Britney. Oh, yeah. Think NSYNC. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Think Nelly. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget... Bands like Creed, a song like this, oh, popular. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you about Creed.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he's been through some shit. He has. Yeah. Okay, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, I'm all is.
3: So Creed is not a band that I ever warmed to personally. Me neither. Uh, I didn't like the fact they all pretended to be any better. So. Background of the band, formed in 94, (laughs) from Tallahassee, Florida, (laughs) the lead singer is a guy.
2: Wait, I see what's happening here. This is your karaoke. Is this the cast talking? This
3: is the cast talking. Wow. His name was Scott. I've only had one-ish. The
2: cast gives you the karaoke gas.
4: Cast, fresh, experience.
3: (laughs) It must, it's happening subconsciously. This wasn't (laughs) planned. Really? Yeah, no. Also, I didn't say stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I will stop. Okay, so you got this guy Scott, some uh, another vocalist called Mark, a bassist called Brian, and a drummer called Scott. Two Scots. Who would have thunk? Two Scots. So these guys have sold over twenty-eight million records in the U.S. alone. Over Bible 50, Belt. Fifty. Yeah, they're they're big Christian rockers. Mm-hmm. I think fifty-three million albums worldwide. They were the ninth best-selling artist of the 2000s. So these guys were actually bigger than I realised.
2: Yeah, wow. Yes, Probably driven out of, as you say, in the, US the not, Belt. Yeah. Because um, we didn't even get Taylor Swift much here until she – she was massive there but she was more country still. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but they didn't, we didn't get all those. Yeah, we got the shake it off years. Yeah. And post.
3: Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of young mates into Christian rock. Originally they did their first gig under the name Naked Toddler.
2: Interesting.
3: Interesting and fucking unsettling, really. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, So surprisingly there were negative reactions to the band's name. Right. Um, So they asked around the band, how can we do better than Naked Toddler? Um, (laughs) Anything. How about The Pedos? Nambler. (laughs) One of the guys had been in another band called Maddox Creed. So someone latched onto the Creed part and the band was called Creed. Yeah. Now this is a fun fact. I assumed pretty much Eddie Vedder would have been a heavy influence for this guy Stapp. Oh yeah. Um, however, he's listed his influences as Otis Redding, <laughs> Donny Hathaway, <laughs> and The Doors. Now The Doors maybe. So if you
2: said to me, "All right, I got I got a, I got a new vocalist for you. <laughs> he's a little bit Otis Redding, <laughs> little bit Donny Hathaway." Little bit the doors. I'm like, I'm into uh, this. Go on. You kind of got. I would the, probably say. Keep going. You got the soul happening. You got the organ, the organ of the oh, doors. Oh my goodness. Oh fuck yeah. It's something. And then you put it on, and you hear.
3: Yeah. So that's kind of a bit of a snapshot on them. But then, yeah. Sadly, Stup he hit some hard times. I believe. Yeah. He hasn't got any money.
2: Ooh.
3: Um, which is pretty tragic for a guy who made about 30 million bucks in the late 90s alone.
2: And he has no short-term memory. Oh,
3: I missed that bit. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that I am a genius <laughs> and I didn't even know it. Edit that bit out. Edit that bit out. <laughs> that's, um, that's all I'm going to share about Creed. Wow. That's, the, that's the most amount of time they've ever
2: occupied in my brain. I wonder if it will influence the charts. Will it be a Creed naissance off the back of? <laughs> Creed, the world doesn't need a Creed naissance. Sure doesn't. But that takes you back. That's an that's a audio aesthetic that puts you in the shoes Fernley. of 2000. It was an exciting time yep. for Christian rock. Uh, yep. It was an exciting time for cinema. It's exciting to talk about a new year of movies because I, I will go through the top ten. Oh, can I guess?
3: Yeah, actually, yeah, why not? Gladiator.
2: Yeah, number two. And that's it. Memento. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Unfortunately not. Uh, number two. I don't want to spend all night guessing, but I would have <laughs> said road trip. <laughs>
2: uh, okay, give it just, just give it to me. Number one, Mission Impossible two. Oh, no. Number two, Gladiator. Number three, Cast Away. Oh. Number four, What Women Want. Oh. Which I thought would be older. Yeah, I mean, it's dated more. Yeah, because that was one of the movies before we did this podcast. But near doing this podcast, where I was like, yeah, this movie is outdated. This podcast is a good idea. Yeah. Let's do more outdated movies. I feel like we're, yes. Uh, Dinosaur, I don't know what that is. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Number seven, Meet the Parents. Number eight, The Perfect Storm. Number nine, Mm. X-Men. I thought X-Men would have been later. So now that we've sort of embracing the year 2000, because it's 20 years ago, we can start to look at some of these. Number 10, What Lies Beneath. Oh, yeah. And number 70-something because- really. Yeah, Memento, because my bloody iPad auto corrected my notes. It says number 11. It wasn't number 11. It was number 70 something. That's interesting. Gone in 60 Seconds was also that year, so that's exciting. Romeo Must Die. Ah, love Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Be myself and Irene, dude. Where's my car? So there's lots of fun ones to be had for the year 2000. Uh huh. But Memento, the Mm. film that came in at number 70 something. Budget of nine million dollars, a gross of thirty nine point nine million dollars. Good for them. Yeah, it's pretty bloody good. It runs on the board.
3: Yeah, given its positive critical acclaim. Yeah, exactly. Some monies
2: in there as well. Um, Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, critic score of ninety three percent, audience score of ninety four percent. You know, when these when these numbers are so close together like that, it's like it's fact. Yeah, we'll see what Greg has to say about that. I mean, I feel like there's there's a, a faint Elephant in the Room, in that this is our first Nolan movie. We haven't quite mentioned that yet. First Christopher Nolan movie. I don't know. I've I've said some things about Christopher Nolan in the past. (laughs) And his family. his family. (laughs) (laughs) He owes me some money. No, it's, uh, I will be addressing all of those things.
0: Don't trust the Nolans. (laughs) He said
2: he was going to paint my fence. (laughs) I paid him 10 bucks to paint my fence. That was a big shot. (laughs) I mean, we'll talk about the 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 my my ongoing the ongoing saga of my my relationship with Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, but at this point, in terms of like when this movie came out for me, oh, this was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I could see <laughs> film student
3: Tristan really. Oh, it known. had it all. It had it all.
2: It had like the psychological head fuckery of Fight Club mm-hmm. with the nonlinear storytelling of. Pulp fiction and Reservoir Dogs, Mm -hmm. cool tattoos,
4: (laughs) dark and gritty. (laughs)
2: Joey Pantoliano, Oh, the pants. Joey Pants. It had it all. I was the chick from the Matrix. Yeah, I was in love, man. I was in love. I liked it a lot. This was this was you know proudly on the DVD shelf with other films like the movies I just mentioned, Fight Club or whatnot. Uh You know, you put them on the top shelf, highly visible. As like a yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like art. <laughs> um it's one of those ones. I don't think I watched it in year eleven, probably soon after though. Definitely uni days, that kind of thing. It's one of those movies that it was just one it was in that mix. One of those mm-hmm. movies. And I remember being very excited by this Nolan fella, going, Oh, this is this is gonna be one of my guys. Oh. And then I think the next movie he did was I didn't know that. Yeah. And then the next movie. This was his second movie, but kind of his first movie. because mm. the he's, first real one. His breakout. Yeah, and um, his next one was Insomnia with yeah. Al Pacino and and Robin. I've seen that. Robin Williams. And I remember at the time going, "But wait, this. Where's all the, the tattoos and the nonlinear storytelling and the? There's yeah. none of that stuff was in it. Which I probably would like now. I should watch it. But um, at the time, I remember being like, "Oh. Oh." Mm. <laughs> And then Batman and all the rest and we'll get into all that stuff. But, yeah, it's, it was, it was a, the start of a potentially beautiful relationship, you know. We, we started like Romeo and Juliet but it ended in tragedy. <laughs> 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 but what yes. about you? Was this a big one for you?
0: Uh,
3: no, not like you, by yeah. the sounds of it. <laughs> so I remember when it came out and it was, this guy, he gets tattoos and it's like, yeah, yes, the tattoos
2: remember it. It's
3: okay. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: how I remember. It. It, that is that is it. I was, that was probably if we known all, each other, then that was probably me explaining it to
3: you. Yeah, the tattoos was. You see the tattoos is how he remembered. It. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like okay. here, isn't that gritty? It's okay. <laughs> so that was that was kind of my memory. Yeah, <laughs> the tattoo guy, and it had the chick from the Matrix.
2: Yeah, and Joey Pants.
0: Yeah, I didn't really too, know who he was, but he Joey was from the Matrix too. Then
3: yeah, he was the steak guy. Yeah, his is Bliss. Yeah, which I
2: don't. Yeah, dis- I'm kind of get it. I get it. I think he may be. We'll rewatch that, mm. but I get the feeling he may be character identify with most of the Matrix now <laughs> <laughs> as a cynical old man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, Should I get into the origin story? Uh please. Origin story. So this wasn't Nolan's first film, mm-hmm. but it was his second film. Mm-hmm. So it's his second film, but uh, when I say a Nolan film, I mean that in the truest sense of the word. It's a real family mm-hmm. affair. Mm-hmm. It's not just Christopher Nolan, it's Jonathan Nolan, who we'll be talking about a lot more on this episode. Um and also his wife, then girlfriend, Emma Thomas. She was uh the producer mm. and I believe has just been his producer from the beginning. Yes. Um, but this was his second film. His first film was a film called Following, which was very student filmy, first filmy yes, indie filmy.
3: I did have a look at, look out for that.
2: Yeah, it was like a, it was like a festival darling of like, oh look what this new young guy brought to the table. He's interesting. Yeah, he's coming interesting stuff here. Got a
3: fresh look on things. Fresh but this uh, this
2: this one brings this still isn't a huge budget movie. The stat I read before said nine mil, but in terms of the check he got written to make this thing, it was four and a half mil, which is not a ton of money. So he's still mm. being Scrappy, like but there's a bit like more. Like yeah, that. exactly. But there's a bit more polish here. There's a bit more behind it. Mm-hmm. Budget makes a big difference, I suppose, to actually, you know, be able to afford to do things. So this is the first kind like, of
3: like get a, a, a big cast.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. With professional actors. Yeah, so maybe you know, like a rapper might release a mixtape, but then he'll release the album. Ah, yeah. this is the this is the album. This is this, this is the big one. Um, so it, it's his arrival. But also the sort of behind-the-scenes arrival of his brother, Jonathan Nolan, as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, interestingly enough, not sure if I mentioned this, the, uh, his brother grew up in the US. Christopher grew up in the UK. So his brother's got an American accent. But I think one parent was American, one parent was English, and they lived with separate parents, parents separated. But um, Christopher, uh, Christopher Nolan also lived in the US eventually, and he was moving from Chicago to LA. And oh. he was, they were doing a road trip because his dad gave him his car and they're like, well, we're going to have to drive. Let's drive to the West Coast. Mm. Jonathan will drive with him. And, you know, as you do on road trips between Taylor Swift sing-alongs and Creed compilations, you start talking. Start talking about ideas. You make a movie. And Jonathan had a germ of an idea as a university student who studied general psychology he heard about a condition called enterograde amnesia. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there's this story they teach in psychology classes about enterograde amnesia mm-hmm. about a man named Henry Mollison. Oh, yeah. Mollison? Henry Mollison. Let's call him HM. Let's call him Henry. 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 On you, Henry. Um, this, I believe this is the story he was learning about. It gets a bit little technical, so I'm gonna read this straight from the wiki. This guy had a bilateral medial temporal lobectomy. Ah, oh, worst. Yeah, to to surgically resect the anterior two-thirds of his uh uh-huh. hippocambi, parahippocampal cortices. Yeah, uh-huh.
3: Just south, just <laughs> south of the Abdullah ablagata.
2: <laughs> yeah, wrong with his Abdullah ablagata. Enter cortices, piriform cortices, and amigdali in an attempt to cure his epilepsy. That word I've heard Ah. of. So they did shit to his brain to try and fix his epilepsy. And while that was partially successful in controlling his epilepsy, a side effect was that he became unable to form new memories. Mm. Jonathan's sitting there going, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. There's a story in this. He tells his brother on this road trip. He says, I heard this story. something interesting here. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a short story around this concept. Mm -hmm. So he wants to write a short story, like a written. Would it classify as a novella? Potentially a novella. Yeah. Uh, Potentially a novella. Side note, also while studying at Georgetown University, he studied under um, a screenwriting lecturer named John Galvin. Ah, John G. John G. Pick up. Wow. I read your notes. (laughs) Uh, so he shared this idea. They began riffing, as you do, on road trips, right? How long does it take to drive from east coast to west was, coast? At least Eight to quite a, quite eight to three week? weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That Route 66, so is that it's, what you do? What's: north to west. Chicago, like in the middle top there. Oh, yeah, Chicago's over there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you're right. A couple of days at least. It's far. Lots of time to talk. Lots of time to riff. Yeah. And riff they did. He's presented with this idea and they start to riff on how best to kind of bring it to life. At first, from a short story point of view. I like it.
1: My brother Jonah, he, he told me a story he was he was working on as a short story. It was this story about this guy with this particular condition where he couldn't make new memories. You know, he was exploring different ways of doing it and, and thinking about it. And the first thing I said to him was if you could find a way of writing that short story from the first person sort of subjectively, that would be an incredible thing. If you could put somebody in the head of uh, somebody who couldn't make new memories, who was suffering from this kind of trouble, that would be uh, amazing.
2: So they kind of riffed on that. He kind of suggested, hey, write a first person like you just heard. And this riffing continued. It Mm. continued after the trip. It continued long after the trip. As Christopher went off to write a screenplay, you know, he thought there's a movie in this. I want to I be in this. Uh, I want to be in the terror grade amnesia business. Mm. And so he's like, i got a screenplay in this. You continue with that short story. But let's keep talking here because we've got something here. So they go away and write. They'll chat. They go away and write and chat. They go away and write and chat. Not dissimilar to, to Charlie Kaufman and his imaginary brother.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And what we ended up with was a screenplay and a short story. Mm. And while they did have some, have some things in common, they also had some some pretty big differences. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So um, Christopher had, it feels weird to say Christopher because I want to say Nolan. But there's, and, uh, but there's two of them. It's not going to clarify. It's not it. going to clarify. So Christopher, whenever I say Christopher, I feel like I'm talking about Moltisanti. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said Christopher other than that. Otherwise it's Ever? Chris. Nah. You can call him Chris if you liked. Anyway, his breakthrough when it came to the script was reversing the order. So constructing this thing backwards. Ah, right. Um, That's fairly significant. That is significant. He wrote it in chronological order first to make sure that it all made sense Mm -hmm. and then started to dissect and rearrange. That thing makes sense. It's a good process, solid process, Mm. process, measure twice, cut once.
3: Yeah, the old forwardsies, reverses.
2: Sometimes you've got to go forwards to go backwards Uh and then backwards to go forwards. Well. Sometimes the forward stuff's in black and white. And then, you know, that kind of thing. And backwards is in colour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it that's nice. Out. That's nice. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> well, it could be a quote from Nolan. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wow. Well, if he said it, everyone would be like, yeah, yeah that's so true. That's so uh, true. <laughs> um, now, the short story was a bit different. Interestingly, this gives a bit more context to the film, I think. The, the short story was called Memento Mori. Now, memento mori is Latin for "remember to die." Hey,
3: mori, like that sort of mori? <laughs> yeah,
2: I believe so. Let's memento go. Memento mori. <laughs> yeah, um, remember to die. So this is oh. um, uh, it's gone. It's nice. gone through a lot of cultures. I think that Mexican Day of the Dead is a similar thing of like you have to remind you have to remember you're going to die. Judgment Day is coming. Be a good person because when you die, you need to. Oh yeah, yeah. The, that name was very deliberate because he kind of became a bit of a living memento, you know, every few minutes he just lived a life of being reminded that his wife died kind of thing. But the short story is a little different. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he lost his wife and gained his condition in ultimately the same way. Tattoos and notes ensue. But his name is Earl. His name's <laughs> not Leonard. It's <laughs> Earl. Wow. It's a,
0: it's a that game changer. Is,
2: uh, that's <laughs> Man. Massive. And he's actually in a mental institution. So this is where it gets actually different. So okay, yeah. he's in a mental institution. His name's Earl. And the ultimate crux of the story is he breaks out to go kill the person that, that killed his wife and okay. gave him this condition. Uh, it isn't backwards, but there is sort of this trickery of, it sounds like there's two characters because I don't know how to explain it without just someone reading the story. But it sounds like there's two characters kind of in this story. Then you find out it's one and I guess you've been reading the notes that one of the, that the earlier version of him is leaving you, for the do you later know that? version. I think it's slowly you realise that's what's happening.
3: That's hard slow to. Re, that's a hard slow release.
2: It is hard because I tried to just get a summary of it today. I, I, if I realised this earlier the week, I would have just read the whole fucking thing. Mm. And then I tried to listen to it, and then I tried to read it, and I, it's too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I tried to read a summary of it, but then it misses the nuance of how it unfolds. And did whatever. you
3: try speed reading it? I'm a slow reader, man.
2: <laughs> I'm the slowest Me reader in the game. I read slower than I read out loud. <laughs> but you know who's got a nice reading voice? Jonathan Nolan. And just to give you a sense of this short story, I want to play a snippet of him reading it because I think it does, it does give you a sense of, hopefully, some of those things I was just talking about.
1: Your wife always used to say you'd be late for your own funeral. Remember that? Her little joke because you were such a slob. Always late, always forgetting stuff. Even before the incident right about now, you're probably wondering if you were late for hers. You were there, you can be sure of that. That's what the picture's for, the one tacked to the wall by the door. It's not customary to take pictures at a funeral, but somebody, your doctor, I guess, knew you wouldn't remember. They had it blown up nice and big and stuck it right there next to the door so you couldn't help but see it every time you got up to find out where she was. The guy in the picture, the one with the flowers, that's you. And what are you doing? You're reading the headstone trying to figure out whose funeral you're at. Same as you're reading it now, trying to figure why someone stuck the picture next to your door. But why bother reading something that you won't remember? She's gone. Gone for good. And you must be hurting right now, hearing the news. Believe me, I know how you feel. You're probably a wreck. But give it five minutes, maybe ten. Maybe you can even go a whole half hour before you forget. But you will forget. I guarantee it. I think it's revealed
2: that essentially that's a note he's reading. His, yeah, he's reading his yeah that he wrote his diary. Dear, yeah, dear kind dear of, diary kind of shit. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, not bad. It's
0: it's, it's interesting to it's see it's how different. it
2: translates across different mediums and such. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, having said all of that, while that's kind of the on the record story. Yes, I have an alternate theory of how this movie came about. Where the germ of the idea came from. Go on. Sounds sexy. <laughs> there was a Seinfeld episode in 1997. I wouldn't know. Called, <laughs> yeah. Greg's wife says it. I've never heard of Seinfeld. You don't
4: even like Seinfeld. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds like a completely different character. It's different each time. <laughs> um... 1997 episode of Seinfeld called The Betrayal, which plays backwards. Do you remember this one?
3: Uh, Keep going.
2: Well, I'll play a clip of one of the writers talking about it, and it sounds quite similar to the Nolans talking about this. Interesting.
5: Because it's going to be backwards, our starting point was, where can we start in the most crazy of ways so that you're seeing – sort of where you usually end up at the end of a half an hour, but it's the first thing and it's going to knock you out of your seat because it's crazy. And of course, Indian wedding, which we eventually get to is particularly crazy. And who better to send her that invite than Sue Ellen Mischke, her non bra wearing rival. (laughs) The stuff with Kramer that's really fun was things like the lollipop gag, like where we got to take advantage. Lots of jokes where we would take advantage of the notion of backwards. So you got to see him with a lollipop stick, then it a little bigger, then it a little bigger, then him taking a lollipop. It was very natural to, in the body of the episode... First of all, let's go back to see the real origins of this episode. So we're going to go back a couple of years. Let's see Jerry and Nina on a date where they...
2: That gets quite specific to the episode. But um, To jog your memory, uh-huh. they, they play the end credits at the beginning of the show. I don't remember it. Oh, it's good. It's before this movie came out by some years, two years, and, or three years. Yeah, three long, years.
3: long enough for it to be fresh. Yeah. Old enough for it to be
2: slightly... It's in there, again. man. It is straight up backwards. You're watching the end of the episode at the start. They're all at an Indian wedding. You're like, how the hell did they get here? Why is everyone angry? Yada, yada, yada. And there's a nice little gimmick they do throughout where at the end of the episode, Kramer's eating a really small lollipop and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go because at the end of the episode, he's starting the (laughs) lollipop. (laughs) Um, And all the loose ends are tied up. It's pretty bloody clever. It's quite, dare I say, Nolan-esque in some ways. (laughs) Quite (laughs) memento-esque. Um, now apparently that's not where they found it. But man, there's some similarities here. Because I was actually thinking about this as I was watching the, the movie. And I, and I was like, oh, I'll save that for Legacy or, you know, did Simpsons do it? No, but Seinfeld did. But it was before. I assumed it was after. It was before. It, it was before the movie. It was before the movie. Anyway, script gets written by... You gotta to Christoph- copy the movie. You gotta copy the movie. Script gets written. Emma Thomas, girlfriend, then now wife of Christopher Nolan showed the script to an executive at a company called New Market Films, which I don't think exists anymore. They said, here's $4.5 million, go make it happen. We want to be in the Christopher Nolan business. Mm-hmm. Next comes casting. There are some pretty good ones. And full credit to wife of the show, Ara. She said, I could imagine Brad Pitt in this yeah. role. And she's right because he was going to be in this role and he had to pass due to some scheduling conflicts. But you can kind of see the Brad pitt esque yeah. to it, can't you?
3: Yeah, he would have taken it obviously to a, Bit more of a 12, not 12 monkeys, but. they would have add some, added some ticks to it. There would have it. been some ticks to it. Yeah. Yeah. He would have
2: eaten. He likes to eat. <laughs> he would have <laughs> he had likes to, have, to
3: chew. He would have had to have been eating on that, in those black and white scenes on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some grapes. 100%. Or like a. Uh, yogurt. Oh, yeah. Like a spoon. <laughs> yeah. The spoon's good. It's <laughs> He can do it's the, a good prop. He doesn't know sh- what to do with his hands. That's the problem. Yeah. Shake his
3: spoon around. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. Um, they also were speaking to Aaron Eckhart mm, um just he went to, on to play 2 faces I was going right? to say yeah, yeah.
3: You, you got in there later
2: yeah thomas jane ended up going with guy Pearce. apparently after they lost brad pitt they decided to lean into not having a brad pitt type mm. and like let's get someone less known so mm. you, the less you know about this guy the better that, that's how mm. this movie is going to work and 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 he nailed it and they're like yeah this is our guy uh, less precast is here but carrie Ann Moss came in next, hot off the Matrix. They're like, yep, that's, that's the one. Let's get her in. Mm-hmm. Now, she was in the Matrix with the man that played Teddy, Joey Pants himself, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as simple as it sounds. He seems perfect for this role. Lenny! But um, they didn't <laughs> want him at first. Talks about it here.
4: And then carrie Ann was cast first in Memento, and she called me up and she said, there's a part in there for you. It's great. So I, I reached out to my agent and I had a lunch with Chris Nolan uh, in L.A. at a coffee house. I called my agent. I said, you know, it went well, but he, you know, I'm not the guy. He doesn't want me for this. And uh, it so happened that their first choice was uh, who they went with. Uh, but they couldn't make a deal with him. Most of the great parts that I've played was after it was offered to six or seven guys.
5: That didn't hurt you at all. That didn't, you, you know, you didn't, have any resentment or
4: no, not not what, no, not not whatsoever. The fact that I got the job was fantastic, and that's happened a lot. Again, Chris Nolan didn't want me for this, I think, because he knew uh, he believed that they would immediately think that I was the bad guy, and he didn't want that. He wanted more of an ambiguous turn.
2: So he looked too much like a bad guy. Well, these
3: roles had always been. That's fair.
2: It's fair. But then it actually kind of worked in favour because you're like, oh, he seems like a bad guy. Is he a bad guy? Then he seems not. It, it mm. makes it more ambiguous in some ways. But um he mm, said yeah. in that video that the person they wanted to get, they couldn't come to an agreement with in terms of the dollary dues. Who was that? Uh, well, he didn't say, but from what I can gather, based on my investigations, yeah. which have been extensive. He's an investigative journalist. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Dennis Leary. Oh. Interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says in that clip, like he said, all his best roles have been from that circuit so, that situation where someone won't do it for that money, but he will. <laughs> he's actually Jerry a Pants. Le- He's a legend of a dude, man. He is, a, a,
3: yeah. He's fucking he's, cool. He's a he's a a unheralded gem.
2: Agree. This is like. Well, interestingly enough, we also got Tobolowski in this movie. He's yeah. an interesting character uh-huh. in himself, But it, yeah, it's, it's a, there's a Willie Fickner vibe there. But then also just in terms of his personal life, there's some interesting things, but we'll get into all of that. Uh-huh. Uh, but rounding out cast, as I said, Stephen Tobolowski, but also uh, Mark Boone Jr., uh-huh. another great little character actor guy. He's the guy that works at the motel. Yeah. Fucks with him a bit. Yeah. Leases out all the rooms to him. <laughs> <laughs> and then admits it Yeah, because he he's doesn't gonna, make him remember. <laughs> and then he wasn't even angry about it because he's going to forget anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That was
3: a great little scene. It's good, good humour.
2: That was cool because you felt like it was going to be something really dark, but it yeah. wasn't. It was yeah, just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah nah, that's the other room. Fuck. <laughs> um, then they got these people together, get them over to Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. dressed them up. Played pretend in front of a camera for five or so weeks. Uh-huh. Um, hit that editing suite. Yeah. Yeah, cut it all up backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Bish bash bosh or bosh bash bosh. <laughs> bosh bash bish. <laughs> you got yourself a movie, Rap Party of the Viper Room. Let's play the trailer.
0: I have this condition. The condition? It's my memory. Amnesia. No, 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 no. It's different from that.
1: One! Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. Next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation.
4: What's the last thing that you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. Lenny!
1: I guess I've already told you about my condition.
4: Oh, well, only every time I see you. You don't remember where you've been or what you've just done?
3: No, I can't make new memories. It's like waking. It's like you just woke up.
4: When you find this guy, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill him. Maybe I can help you find him.
1: Are you sure you want this?
0: My wife deserves vengeance.
4: Do not trust her. She's going to use you to protect herself wants me trying to get me to kill the wrong guy you can question everything you can never know anything for sure
0: teddy don't believe his lies
4: you wander around playing detective well maybe you should start investigating yourself
0: who did this to you you did i
3: want my life back why are you asking me i can't remember what i've done
5: I have no short-term memory.
1: Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. The next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation.
0: <laughs> I don't even know if I've met you before. <laughs> I've told you this before, haven't I?
2: That's a good trailer. That is a great trailer. That's actually the perfect way to set prime someone to watch it.
3: Yeah, I want to watch it now.
2: Because it doesn't, I mean, it gives away the but I'm not premise but it doesn't give away anything else.
3: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Sorry up there, Don the Great. But uh, I think you were it on that particular one. Just on that particular one. Yeah. Just on that particular one. Just
2: on that particular one. But, you know, in a world, still would have been good. That would have been good. You know it would be good on this particular one? I want to hear Greg's plot summary.
3: Yes, well, I would say I'm probably not the best person to ask. <laughs> But here's what I think happened. Okay. And in the spirit of doing it backwards, I'm going to do it forwards. Okay. (laughs) A guy and his wife get a home intruder Uh, who's about about to, he's kind of raping her and strangling her with a fucking shower curtain or something. And he bursts in and stops him, gets hit on the head. And suffers this type of amnesia we've been talking about where you can't create new memories but you don't lose your old ones. Yeah. Uh, His wife can't really handle – this is Lenny, Leonard. Yeah. The wife can't really handle the new dopey husband so she tricks him into giving her insulin like four times or something. Yeah. Uh, She's a diabetic and insulin in order to uh, effectively commit suicide. Yeah. Uh, Then a cop gets assigned to his case, he's wigged out by this guy, starts taking advantage of him by using this guy to kill lowlife, then he uses him to kill another lowlife, to make financial profit off this drug dealer.
2: (laughs) This guy's driving around with lots of money in the car that he just wants to get out of the car. (laughs) It's bizarre.
0: Yeah.
3: But um, he works out that the cop's using him a bit, he doesn't like it, so he makes notes Sorry, I should say, this guy's, he collects notes and tattoos himself and takes Polaroids to help piece things together, all in aid of him finding the killer of his wife. Yeah. His wife's got a kill. He didn't realise he killed her. Yeah. Anyway, so this cop's been helping him. He gets the shits at this cop and writes himself a note to trick himself into thinking the cop did it. So then he uh, gets connected to the guy's girlfriend. who' was the second guy he killed. Uh, she messes with him too. That's pretty cool. <laughs> me cure. Yeah, then he uh, gets the cup and uh, kills him. Yeah. And that's the end. Uh, the whole thing's in well, reverse. It's the beginning. <laughs> it's the beginning. Yeah. Yes, sorry. It's the beginning. It's very confusing. I guess it's a love story about a man seeking revenge that killed his wife, which was ironically him perhaps. Three and a half stars. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's basically what happened. Was
3: that, did I get that right ish? Yeah, I think so. Was that, I think or there's one? some,
2: a bit more ambiguity with like, I, I'm pretty sure it was a cop, but you do, I, you kind of don't know. I think the spirit of the movie is kind of, you don't 100% know. Yes. Th- with a few things like that, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened.
3: Yeah, I, I had a few, and I'll probably get into them at some point, I had a few faults that I sort of found in it, but then upon reflection, I think it was all the intention.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Of... The Nolans. Yeah. I think so too. Well, how was the rewatch for you?
3: Um, it was it was good. Yeah. Like I, I stylistically like
2: it. Yeah. I like film noir, and this is yeah. this is this is a neo-noir yeah. psychological thriller. Yeah, which is my bag. It's our second favourite behind the noir erotic thrillers. Yeah, that's right. If you could have put Michael Douglas in this movie. Oh my god. And played it forwards. Sharon Stone as the bartender chick. Oh. You got yourself a neo noir erotic thriller. You
3: do. Uh yeah, look, I I get that you're meant to be confused, and I certainly was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was more confused than I was expecting to be. It's like, yeah, I've seen that plenty of times, ages ago. I haven't seen it in a long time. Mm. But I had a similar thing. But then I was I forgot specifics, but I was comfortable being uncomfortable with it. I was okay with being confused. I was like, I'm no, I'm meant to feel like I'm confused, yeah. so that's okay. Yeah, I forgot that too.
3: <laughs> I think I well we're
2: but there were lots of things in it that I forgot. Like, I totally forgot that he, um, that it, like, the, I guess they're littler things. Not really. They're kind of big things. Like, that it wasn't his car and that it wasn't his mm. suit. Mm. And you start to see that, oh, yeah, he, he's doing all these things that he's forgetting about that ironically I forgot about. <laughs> but also, I remember distinctly, you know, when Carrie Ann Moss's character comes on screen going, oh, I hated her. She was the worst. What a bitch. Mm. And then, then, you realize what he did. And then, like, that's probably—I think that was her boyfriend, right? Yeah. He killed her boyfriend. And then started, drives around in his car, wears his clothes, walks into her bar. Yeah. Fuck yeah, fuck with him. Yeah. Like she's a legend. <laughs> I thought she was a horrible, horrible person, but he's kind of an unknowingly horrible person. Yeah. She so, probably is a horrible person. I mean, she's she. Yeah, yeah. They're all horrible. It's a lot of horrible people. Everyone takes advantage of him in one way or another. Yeah. Um, uses his, you know, powers for their own benefit. Mm. Uh, the tattoos don't look as cool as I remember. <laughs>
3: they don't, do they? They're not quite as edgy. They're I, kind
2: of like yeah. pedestrian. They are. They're a bit, um. well, A, they don't look very real. B, I think it was quite, for me at least, quite due at the time, the, the text-based tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um and so just that that as a concept was quite, oh yeah, just words all over your body. That's cute. Yeah, it's cute. cute. Yeah, but overall I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> 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 did you? Did you did you like it? I liked it, yeah. Yeah. I did like it. I yeah. I did have some questions. Do you have some like little Yeah
3: bits Do you yeah. wanna should we go into those first? Yeah, let's go into those. The these are probably all addressable under the guise of William Mint if you're there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, firstly, so do people that have this type of amnesia know that they
2: have it? That was one of mine. Because if you, how do you know you have it? Do, or does he relearn it every time? And same goes for does he know his wife's dead or does he have to be reminded every time? Yeah. The short story sounds like that That little clip I played was basically talking about that, that he had to be reminded. Yeah. But in the film, it, I didn't get that sense. It seems he, like he, he knew, knew that all. His the
3: last time. memory is my wife dying.
2: Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um,
3: but apparently, oh, I guess he would. Yeah, I don't know. I did yeah. the Google, and it yeah. said that the the awareness varies depending on the severity, so they can write that off.
2: Yeah, that, well, this is basically where I landed with a lot of mine. So I had a few others like, um, you know, he's he's always taken the polaroids. Yeah, and he says, "Hey, something to remember you by." He says the same thing. It's like he is he is that a plan embedded in him, mm. or is that just human nature that the phrase will happen to come out the same way every time? Like it feels like a part of a plan that he can't possibly didn't, have. Didn't
3: see that tattoo.
2: Yeah. And well, speaking of the tattoos, at the end when he decides to write down fact number six, how does he remember that it's number six? He hasn't rolled up his sleeve. Does he write the fact? Yeah. And he goes, fact six, this. Um, yeah, because the scene with the prostitute and his wife's belongings around the hotel motel room, is that to trick himself into thinking she's still alive or not remembering that she's still alive? I don't know.
3: Yeah, that scene—that whole scene felt unnecessary to me.
2: You could lose it, couldn't you? You could cut it. Is though. that trying to just humanise him a bit more? Um, and why did he need to shave his thigh? I missed it. I know it must be in there. I missed it. Maybe so you can quickly get a tattoo. So you can get a tattoo later? Is that what it's speed, for, just yeah, to be prepped? Yeah, speed tat. But they'd shave you there. Oh, because he can't Now he's
3: doing those home administered ones.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that's the other one. If you're tattooing yourself, well, <laughs> is it just writing like Millpool? <laughs> <laughs> well, this
3: was one of the other things. He's got some pretty unique skills. <laughs> Very unique per- skills.
2: Particular set of
3: skills. Thank you. Oh, that completely <laughs> fucked that up. But, yes, like he's a pretty adept sleuth in this film. He's yeah. picking locks. He's given these self administered prison tats. I'm assuming yeah. that's not that easy.
2: Well, and that's got to be a learned skill. So can you learn these things?
3: Yeah. It's interesting. This learning requires memory. Learned.
2: He's got a gun. He's, you know, like, I don't know.
3: Yeah. He's an insurance investigator, not yeah. Liam Neeson.
2: Exactly. He's not a Liam Neeson. And, well, I did look into this, Greg, because well, I… Well, maybe he is. And a similar thing. So the interagrade amnesia. Oh uh, yeah. How realistic is this? Now, apparently, it's pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. So there's a few big names, apparently. They're not household names now. I, don't, I can't vouch for these people personally. But if it's in the Wikipedia, it's good enough for me. Um, Christoph Koch, a neuroscientist, called Memento the most accurate portrayal of Mm. the different memory systems in the popular media. Another one, Esther M. Sternberg Uh says, it's close to perfect. This thought-provoking thriller is the kind of movie that keeps reverberating in the viewer's mind and each iteration makes one examine preconceived notions in a different light. Memento is a movie for anyone interested in the workings of memory and indeed in what, It is that makes our own reality.
3: Is it um, interesting to note that those two professors graduated from uh, UCLA the same year as Jonathan Nolan?
2: That's interesting but he went to Georgetown. So close. (laughs) Georgetown. Yeah, but that would be interesting. They're on the payroll. They're his
3: mates. They're on the Nolan payroll. John G.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, there's one but, more. How about one more? So, oh, yeah, I guess one okay. from Sally Baxendale. So unlike in most films in this genre, this amnesic character retains his identity, has little retrograde amnesia, and shows several of the severe every everyday memory difficulties associated with the disorder. The fragmented, almost mosaic quality to the sequence of the scenes in the film also reflects the perpetual present nature of the syndrome. So... The, it's funny, these guys are like psychologists slash film critics because they yeah. actually are talking about the movie as yeah. well, which is interesting. But uh, they, they vouch for the the gimmick of this, mm. structuring it this way and it makes you feel like how they might feel. So that's
3: quite cool. It is cool. I think neither of these film critics slash doctors have seen 50 first dates.
2: That's true. So they don't know. I mean they've done stuff but they, if they haven't seen that, how much can you really yeah, know about short-term memory loss? Or Nemo yeah. Dory, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're right, but if you think back to that example um that sparked this whole thing from Jonathan Nolan that that patient Henry, so there were they did a bunch of studies on him once this happened to him, and so it seems like there is enough of a gray area for a lot of our concerns to be relatively addressed yes. so uh, what have we got here this is a little blurb from um Wikipedia so his apparent ability to complete tasks that require recall from short-term memory and procedural memory but not long-term episodic memory suggests that recall from these memory systems may be mediated at least in part by different areas of the brain. So he's doing things, this real guy was doing things that would seemingly require short-term memory. So while he's not maybe going, hey, remember what we did yesterday, he's doing things that he would only know yes. from short-term. So I guess there's room for some of those nitpicking things we had. So that's uh-huh. It's interesting. I would never have thought this was a realistic movie. Like mm. I just would have thought, oh, it's a fun gimmick, but it's obviously like Fight Club. I, uh, he's not, you know, dragging himself around a car park. <laughs> um So I kind of put in that bucket of like, yeah, Yo, it's not realistic, but it's a bit of fun. It's being given the, the – Yeah. By the scientific community. Um <laughs> was, that, was that a – Give us a – Give us a – yeah, Give us a scientific community. A scientific community. Yeah. <laughs> um I think it I think they touch on something there which you know I agree with for different reasons. I'm not a scientist, Greg. Deceived me. Um but I <laughs> Greg is confused. Where am I? Um but I think it works because I, I do like this movie because and I was worried. I was a little bit worried mm-hmm. to be honest that I wasn't going to like it because my relationship with Nolan has evolved. But I think this is good Nolan. This is like all the good parts of Nolan or mm-hmm all the parts that are still in the Nolan movies but just done more to my particular liking. A bit tighter. It's single-minded and simple. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, it lets you be confused. It doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't explain it all to you at the beginning. You don't have characters that just are basically there to move the plot forward and explain everything to you.
3: It doesn't go, Wah.
2: It certainly doesn't. And, and it, there is a central gimmick to it, this telling it backwards, but it serves the character. Mm-hmm. Like the scientists say, that puts you in the shoes of this character. Mm-hmm. It's very a human thing. It you're puts you feeling, in the shoes
3: of the character that he killed and stole the shoes off.
2: <laughs> yeah, it puts you in all of the shoes. Yeah, if there's shoes in this movie. You're in them. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw a shoe in this movie I didn't fit neatly into, and I'm a size twelve and a half. Yeah, um, and so it it works quite nicely. Whereas I think a lot of the the newer Nolan movies. They do the opposite. It's like <laughs> the characters are there to serve the gimmick. Yeah. So there are these empty vessels there to, to explain things to you, to move the plot forward, to set up this big, grand, mind-bending thing that's happening over here but it's got nothing to do with human beings. Mm. Not all of them. I think some of them still have these human kind of elements to them. And actually before I get into that because I think a lot of what's in this movie, you see a lot of all the Nolan things in this movie. They evolve mm-hmm. in different ways, but you've got the time stuff. You've got all the perception of time, which you see later in Interstellar. You see in Inception, you see in Tenet. You've got the the twist, the gimmicky twist thing at the centre of it. Yeah. You've got the dark and gritty neo-noir vibes to it. Mm-hmm. And you've got dead women. Um, <laughs> it's one of his things. Yeah. <laughs> dead wife is a big one for him. Yeah, right. So there's, there's dead wives in Interstellar. The, the Dark Knight, she's not a wife, but, you know, in the second one she dies... Maggie Hall's character. Does she? Yeah. <laughs> Inception, The Prestige, I haven't seen, but apparently it happens. And in this one. You haven't seen The Prestige? I've, it's one of those ones where I know what happens, so I've just never got around to watching it. Oh, you know the, the twist? Yeah. Um, it's his brother. Yeah. But apparently it's still worth watching, so I will watch I it. I liked it. I think movie. it's one of the good ones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a bit shitty. In the context of this film alone, if you just look at this film in isolation, like, mm-hmm. I get it, it makes sense for this movie. But there's definitely a pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it and it, and it's more than Nolan. This is a this is a a crutch that a lot of filmmakers use or comic book writers, as it turns out, because this is something known as fridging, which stems from something that happened in a Green Lantern comic book. Oh. Where his girlfriend was killed and stuffed into a fridge. Um. This is a bit like a Bechdel test thing, where it's like it's a reference to something. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gail Simone came up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's this idea that, and in comic books specifically, it's particularly kind of shitty because often these girlfriends are also superheroes, but mm-hmm. rather than them going off to save the world, they're just killed. Put in the fridge. To, to propel the male narrative. <laughs> yeah, and to... To, to spark up, emotion, spark emotion, and exactly. And, oh, Cheap I'm, thrills. I'm brooding. Yeah, I'm brooding. Er, man, let it die. <laughs> I'm brooding so bad now. Oh, so they, a lot of his movies do that. They they have <laughs> a they don't have many female characters to start with. This one has one, and she's pretty interesting, but she's probably a bit undercooked. But mm, um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but then there's also always a dead wife, and the dead wife. A potential important female character is only there to die to make the male main character more interesting. <laughs> what a so bastard! That's probably the uh, the thing that he probably needs to move away from. Which is not in Tenet. So maybe he's become conscious of this. Darling, I'm writing a movie. The wife died. <laughs> yeah, hold it there. <laughs> I just this. What's this guy's reason? He's not brooding enough. He needs a dead wife. Put her in the fridge. Wait, wait, dead. Girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Dead Wives aside, because that's pretty consistent, when I was thinking about these movies, I think there is like there's, I don't, also from the top, I don't, I don't hate Christopher Nolan, just for the record.
3: Well, hate's a strong word. Hate's I a strong word.
2: I watch a Christopher Nolan movie. I enjoy it while I'm watching it. I leave the theatre and it's done. In, like any other blockbuster, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but the ones that kind of I like less uh-huh. Are the ones that are kind of doing the opposite of what I like about this. The one where it's more about the machine than the human. It's more about the the spec, not not spectacle, because it's the mechanics and the the idea. The, yeah, but it's the idea in with without the human aspect mm. to it. Where mm. this one, like I said, the idea is in service of the character. The other one, the character is in service of the idea. So, but but but. What I realize is when I look at the timeline, it's not like he's just moving further and further away from that because some of them still do it. Like Interstellar, there's still like a human thing Mm. at the center of that. He's trying to get back to his family and that kind of shit. My daughter. Um, Mm. Even in Batman 2, there's a lot of internal character things going on there, which are good. And and, and even in... um, The Prestige as well, apparently. I haven't seen that. But apparently that does too. And so some family there. Yeah, so those movies I I have less of an issue with. I still enjoy all of them. You just don't like Inception. I don't like Inception. Oh, it's okay. Like I said, I'll watch it and I've never been compelled to watch it again. Mm. It's kind of like I feel like with some of these movies, I'm looking at the engineering plans rather than the thing. You know what I mean? Yes, I do, I do. I'm looking at the... Machine rather than what the machine builds. Yes. I want to see the output, not the not the input. But um, and, and this is all personal preference. So I got, not, uh, he's fine, and I do ultimately respect him. He makes yeah. a good movie. And he puts on a spectacle, and it's all original. Often original IPs. So this is good stuff. It is, we and need it's that. an
3: important. Uh, Important contributor to yeah. contributor, I should say, to Hollywood. In and a
2: world where it's all fucking Marvel this and DC correct. that and whatever and the his, fuck else, his, he's bringing movie new making
3: shit. style as well. Is um, yeah, is quite traditional.
2: It's
0: quite
2: yeah old worldy. And I, he's done a fucking hell of a job in like he is. The, Christopher Nolan is the franchise. Mm. Like he got Marvel movies you got Nolan you got Nola movies. movies like yeah, yeah. not many in terms of like the general public not many directors have that kind of brand not even like a Steven Spielberg has that everyone knows his name but people didn't go see Ready Player One like just on <laughs> his name alone you go and see the new Nolan movie and that's fucking cool well he's the it man yeah but it, and but even I go and see them because I I know I'm going to be entertained mm. i went and saw Tenet the other day i was entertained is it going to be in my top 10 probably not did you see The Dunkirk? I've heard that's really good and I haven't watched it on purpose because I really want to watch it in a cinema. Oh. I feel like that's that's like one of those movies. Yeah, I didn't. I w- I would like to see it. I would like to see it. So again, I like this guy. I love this movie and I just would love if he would focus his powers more on this kind of shit. Mm. And I think it goes back to something we talk about a lot on this podcast, Greg, constraint. Mm. Well, he has no constraints now. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. You know, he doesn't have... Five weeks to shoot and four million dollars. Mm. He's got every resource in the world. He's got a big blank sheet of paper and a big fucking blank check. Mm. He can do whatever the fuck he wants.
3: He still seems like he's making interesting casting choices, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. He gave us McConaughey. He yep. Really hit that Beak McConaughey. Obviously, Patterson is recognised.
3: Um, yeah, his trajectory. He's got the young uh, Washington. Washington in his latest one. Yeah, and others.
2: You know what it is for me? The main thing is for me with the Nolan films, they're they're cheeseburgers, Greg. Nothing wrong with a cheeseburger. I love a cheeseburger. But don't tell me it's a steak. I think sometimes these movies are positioned as some like, whoa, like it's not, it's not a steak, it's it's a cheeseburger. it's It's just that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's fucking tasty. I love a cheeseburger. Yeah. But if I order a steak, I want a steak. Or if, or if you're telling me you're giving me a stack, I want to stay. Yeah, it's no Cohen's Brothers. Exactly. Cohen's Brothers? But exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You
3: know that movie was told
2: backwards. <laughs> Which is what it is. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you know they do peanut butter shakes at Shake Shack. That's cool. It's pretty innovative. I mean, I, <laughs> I could go,
3: man, all this talk of burgers, you're killing me
2: <laughs> But yeah, I respect him and I like, I enjoy the movies. I like the Batman movies the most probably because – They can't help but be cheeseburgers because it's a comic book movie anyway. Mm. I think the issue for me with the Batman ones becomes when that's seen as like the only way to do superhero movies. They must be dark and realistic.
3: His influence. Yeah. And that's not even his fault. Some people list that as a positive but I probably
2: go the other way. Yeah. I think that's it. What have you done here? Yeah. I like them. That's one way to do it. It certainly shouldn't be the only way to do it.
3: Yeah. And he also gave us uh,
2: heats. Oh, yeah. Joker, which, pow. All time. All time. Oh, something interesting though. You know how I mentioned now, unlike Nolan, I'm going through my notes in chronological order here. This is the order I wrote my notes and, you know, I specifically caught out some movies there that did have a bit of a human at the centre. I wanted to look more into Jonathan Nolan and it turns out all the ones that have a human at the centre, he co-wrote. So he co-wrote The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Interstellar and one other one, can't remember. And so it's got me thinking. I'm not saying that he's the good one and Christopher's the bad one, but I think there's something about these powers combining. Like maybe one is the engineer and one's the architect. You know, maybe Mm. one is the Mm -hmm. science, one's Mm -hmm. the art, one's the mechanical, one's the human. The John and Paul perhaps. Um, You know, like Ricky Gervais and um, Stephen Merchant, the office, the UK office guys. Yeah. yeah. When they do stuff together, it's good. And when they do it by themselves, it's not as good. Although I've heard that... um, uh, Gervais' new thing is good, but generally speaking, yep. there's something death, that boy. happens yeah. there when they're together. I think it might be something similar here because, yeah, they It's interesting that those were the ones that I personally liked
3: more. Greater than the sum of their parts.
2: Yeah, perhaps the power of family, the power of brotherhood, mm. etc. Road he's, trips. He's also the co-writer of uh, Westworld with, oh, that's his, right. with yeah. his wife. Again, family, the power of family. Right. But that also suffers from some of the same issues I complain about. So, again, I'm not mm. saying that Jonathan Nolan's better, but yeah, something gotcha. happens when they're together. And interestingly, when you look at Interstellar specifically, uh, Jonathan Nolan was working on that as a writer four years before Christopher Nolan was involved.
3: Whoa, but was in a wormhole?
2: <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, exactly. So time moved differently, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it then Christopher Nolan the walked backwards into the bookshelf. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. No, but uh, he he wrote a script over four years. Christopher Nolan comes in and goes, oh, I'll direct it. It was going to be Spielberg and he couldn't do it or whatever. And he's like, what about my brother? uh, Christopher says, yeah, I'll do it. But I've got some ideas. And he brought his little bag of ideas of different sci-fi things he's been bouncing around and merged it with his brother's script. And I (laughs) I wasn't reading the original script. I was reading a summary of the original script today. And it does feel in my opinion, better, like more of this, the stuff that I'm saying I kind of prefer. Mm. So that's interesting too. But then the the weird thing about that too is I found this quote of Jonathan Nolan talking about his brother. It said, when contemplating the artistic differences between himself and his brother, Nolan remarked, I've always suspected that it has something to do with the fact that he's left-handed and I'm right-handed because he is somehow able to look at my ideas and flip them around in a way that's just a bit more twisted and interesting. Uh, it's great to be able to work with him in that way, and ma- so maybe that is the magic. Maybe those two things work together, and maybe, maybe Christopher Nolan needs the right hand just as much as as Jonathan needs the left hand. But then you look at something like Interstellar, which I, I actually, I really, I liked Interstellar mostly, but all the stuff I didn't like from what I read in the, the original script was the stuff that Christopher Nolan added. So mm. yeah, it's interesting, like the end. Yeah, the end, basically. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have no conclusion on that, but I just think Jonathan Nolan is interesting. Maybe we need more of him. Mm. Give him a movie. His wife is directing a movie soon, coming out next year with Hugh Jackman in it. You got quite the quite the Hollywood
3: fans, These they guys really do.
2: Ah. we married into the wrong families, Greg. Fuck. <laughs> Go produce some movies, Carol and Ira. Yeah,
3: get on and direct. It. Yeah, write <laughs> and direct and. Yeah, make a TV show while you write, write it. Write it the theme tune, sing uh, the theme tune. Write it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you gave the Seinfeld reference earlier. Oh, yeah, yes. This also isn't the first film oh. that was uh, chronologically um, sequenced. Mm, in, yes. What chronologically sequenced? What's the opposite of that? Backwards. Backwards. <laughs> this, this isn't the first backwards-y movie. Yes. Um Now, there's quite a famous film from back in 83. Ooh. Uh, called Betrayals starring Jeremy Irons.
2: Oh, that's what the Seinfeld episode was based on. Oh, ah, really? Because that, that episode was called The Betrayal.
3: Oh, God, how did I not put this together when you were No, but before? I didn't
2: know this either. And the um the, the longer version of that clip, they talk about that movie, yeah. that it was based on that. Even what happens in the episode is similar. It well, it's quite famous. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd never, never heard, heard, heard of it. Of it. Listen but to us, ignorant, It's Mrs. got
3: Kingsley and Irons. Right. And some lady named Patricia Hodge, who so I didn't really know. Right. Like, two Two of like the greats, right? Yeah. And it just follows, yeah, the trials and tribulations of an affair. Yeah. And it starts at the end when it all shit hits the fan and then goes back to when I assume it was more Yeah. Humble for everyone.
2: But uh yeah, so it's, it's really, And he does he oh, sleep with his girlfriend or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the husband because Jerry there. hooks up with the chick that he was trying to set George up with. Oh. That's the betrayal. Yeah, central betrayal.
3: One thing I did read about um this movie that I respect, yeah. Part of Nolan's plan in this was to kind of, I guess, subvert the the in home viewing. So there was a rise in, ah, oh, yeah, um, films being viewed in home. Yeah,
2: do um, how that. With well,
3: the DVD. It must be the DVD. Wasn't yeah, the, it? the rise it of DVDs wasn't for streaming, but nah, DVDs. It was a for trend sure. that was happening, you know. And the person that watches at home, I think the example he gave is you go to the door and collect your pizza, and you don't stop the movie. Yeah. Uh, but he wanted to you know, subvert that in a way that, well, you're going to go answer the door or you're not going to fucking understand the movie at all. Like (laughs) there are, you know, every scene kind of counts and it's backwards so you can't piece it together. Yeah, good. Which is interesting because, well, yeah, it's It's a good thing to do but now even more so because you didn't have second screens really in 2000. Like I'm guilty. I'm second screening right now.
2: 100%. It's interesting though. I did find this was a pretty lean forward experience for me. Mostly, mm. I didn't use the phone too much. Like a lot of movies, we do. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's a I'll, battle. I'm getting better. It. I have had a.
3: There were periods where,
2: but I didn't feel like I had to work to pay attention. I was yeah. like genuinely like, yeah, I was in. All right, you got me. Yeah, can yeah. i yeah. in. There's only been a handful of those, to be honest. Yeah. So he did it. I that. Well, that, I respect, I, respect that. that success. You know what I? You know what else I respect? Joey Pants. Oh, Joey Letty. Pants. Man, what a dude. He's been in over 87 movies.
3: How old is he? You know? Oh, I don't know.
2: 60s maybe? Yeah, 60s. I'd say 60s. He's a fascinating dude. I saw some clips of him younger in movies I didn't realise he was in, like mm. Risky Business.
3: Yeah, he was like – I didn't, I didn't realise that either. He looks like a different human. He's a Fratelli. Like, what do you mean? He's in uh, – the Goonies, he's one of the, oh, the Fatellis, the bad family. Fuck.
2: See, and he looks so different. He's an interesting looking guy. Like I feel the the guy we have now, I feel like he's his, he, he evolved into the, the, the perfect Joey Pants at a certain mm, point. Mm. I thought I didn't like him in The Matrix, but in hindsight I think I just didn't like his facial hair. He's, he's good. I liked him in The Matrix. And he was uh, good in um, I like the, the New Bad Boys. Yeah, he's been a rough he, week for he him. He became a bit of the heart and soul of that movie, didn't he? It's been a hard ways. week for Joey Pants. Yeah, well, he's had hard times. Has he? Yeah, he's um he's di- he was diagnosed with depression. Oh, yep. I think when he was fifty, but or he was past fifty, but he he in hindsight had had it for some time. Yeah, okay. And um, he's a beer. He talks about it all the time. He's released a I think a book and a movie. Oh no, a chat. He's he's got a non for profit called No Kidding Me Too um which is to help people in show business with depression because mm-hmm. when you ask another person in show business oh, I've I've got clinical depression they go no kidding me too yeah um, it,
3: it it certainly would spike in the arts and these sort of characters 100%. Uh, characters, these sort of yeah cuz he
2: he's talked about how um the he was worried he was speaking to his therapist or whatever and saying, is it because I'm an actor and I've been drawing on these negative experiences or whatnot? And they go, actually, no, it's probably the opposite. That's probably helped you
0: because mm.
2: you're like, it's like it's cathartic or something. Yeah. So it's super interesting. But you can imagine in that world, man, you'd be. Would oh, you, that'd it'd be,
3: rough. be it'd be the environment and all the rejection yeah. and and um, critique. Yeah. But I think also the type of person that it, you know that gravitates towards the arts and performance. Yeah.
2: You know, a lot of a lot of comedians, comedians like um Jim Carrey, Robin Williams. They yeah. got they got some some dark
3: fat dark days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's both. Yeah, I think and so. Perpe- the environment would perpetuate the types of people.
2: Yeah, he always he's always this little ball of energy on um, on screen. He's great. Could we talk about uh, cousin Ralphie? Oh yeah, well yeah, he won an Emmy for that. Rightly so, man. Man, that oh. was that was. I hated him. Yeah, but like he he provokes that response in you. Like, oh, my oh goodness. man, like I hated
3: him so much. Loud mouth, toupee wearing, oh. like hothead. He's like he beats a girlfriend to death. Yeah, like, he's super violent.
2: I was I was thinking on that today. Like he's almost he could have, well not could have because he's had a good career, but like he kind of could have been a Joe Pesci type a little bit. Well, he's he, got that fire.
3: I actually, when he first was, I didn't draw the. Didn't work out who he was when he became cousin Ralphie. Yeah, but I just thought, kind of thought that they were trying to cast this guy as a poor man's yeah, Darfashi, right? But then he kind of is his quickly, own I was like, this is his own thing. This guy's his own guy. He's yeah. got some similarities. Yeah, but um, Ralphie's all-time Fucking Sopranos character, hardcore. which puts him up there as all-time characters, doesn't it? So yeah. Like, oh, monster. oh, and the death scene when Tony beats him to death with a frying pan.
2: And then they, doesn't his head. Come off somewhere along the way.
3: His hair does because he's got the toupee.
2: Don't they carry his head from somewhere? Yeah, must yeah, come I, think, up
3: I think Christopher comes in. Oh, man. But, he, but he's, he's dating Tony's sister.
2: Oh, he, that's right. She's her, always dating the worst people.
3: Yeah, and she, he makes her wear a strap on. I think they find the oh, strap on. Oh, that's
2: right. What's and that he, called? It's
3: got a name.
2: And he always said whore as "hua." Yeah. That's where I got it from. Uh, wait, you said that. Like, I don't say who that I know, much, but, but I do. But I do say purer. that. <laughs> I always thought that was an interesting thing. Ah, uh, hua. Yeah, she's a hua. He's such. He's, pegging. Is
3: that oh, what pegging is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pegging.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pegg. Uh, peg. <laughs> hey, peg. Um, That's different. Yeah, man. he's special, man. He's great. He
2: lights up the screen. He's great in this. I love him in this. I was.
3: And again, this was one of my. One of the things that I thought might have been a fault, but I guess you could argue is part of the plan. Yeah, was when he was telling the scene, you know, towards the end of yeah. you know of the viewing. Yeah, um, which is early thing early in the movie when he's explaining to Leonard about you know the lay of the land and what's been going on. Yeah, I can't tell if that's the truth or not because he's been lying the whole movie. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I think that is the point. It is the point. Yeah. I think that that's close to the truth, at I least. I think it's meant to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently Christopher Nolan said something like that at a press conference, and then his brother pulled him aside and said, "No, nah, man, you don't know." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, yeah, good point. I don't know." It's Like you don't you don't get to decide. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's interesting, but yeah. I think broadly that's that it seems like that's it. Interestingly, the um one of those final lines. Well, the first line. One of the first lines but slash final lines of um, Joey Pants where he gets, just before he gets killed. Apparently no one thought he didn't quite nail it and he actually dubbed his voice in instead. What? Now, this is hilarious because it's in this documentary I watched about the making of the movie. This is no one saying he did it and then it cuts to Joey Pants.
1: There's a line where he's down and he says, you don't have a clue, you freak. And I you never quite nailed that. And I, I actually wound up doing a thing that, that I know Wilson wells did in the past, whatever. And I thought, It goes?" Go, I just revoiced the line myself. You're Yeah,
4: clue, cool, you freak.
1: But he didn't seem to mind. He's never complained about it anyway. So.
4: No, this is the first I'm hearing about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I watched that whole documentary just for that because that was right at the end, and nothing else was good at it. But <laughs> worth it. <laughs> worth it, right?
3: No, this is the no, first.
2: Um because it. <laughs> it sounded like him. They must have done some pitchy thing yeah, or something. Yeah. I, I knew the magic. line, but I
3: didn't Yeah, pay, didn't pay any attention to it not being him. <laughs> Neither did he.
2: Yeah. Now can we talk about Guy Pierce? Because I just realized mm. three episodes in a row we're talking about Aussie leading men. Mm. My my brain only goes back <laughs> one episode. You can't make new memories. Um, Lethal Weapon Oh, Lethal Weapon, of course Mick Dundee Riggs And Guy Pearce Wow, oh, look at that Now, in Australia and the UK, we all know Guy Pearce from his early days on Neighbours I thought, just pure, pure nostalgia Let's play a little clip from Neighbours, why not? This is yeah, Guy Pearce in the early days look,
3: John, I've got, I've got about four days of washing I've got to do I can't really leave for Daphne, can I? Well,
0: you can do it after
3: uni Come on, it's Scott and Charlene's first dinner party and well, it's sort of a thank you for being best man and bridesmaid. I'm sorry, I can't make it. It's the sorriest excuse I've ever heard. Have I done something wrong?
2: No, it's not that. Well,
3: then what? Scott
0: and Charlene are our best friends and... well, I'm your girlfriend, right? So why can't we spend the evening together?
1: Look, Jane, things change, right? You don't mean for them to happen, they... they just do. What
4: are you talking about?
1: I met this girl in Canberra and hit it off really well. I'm sorry, Jane, but I think I fell in love with
3: her. Oh, steal your man, Canberra. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? Better at the Questacon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a guy, Pierce
2: Fed? I'm a guy, Pierce Fed. Yeah. Yeah, he's good.
3: I think uh, I thought he was outstanding in this. Yeah, he's Carol good. and I were butting heads because she was like, uh, I just don't, he's no emotion. I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of the point. Yeah. He's. Putting it all, piecing it all together, it's subtlety. Yeah, and if
2: you, you could. and he's really good. The energy on his face when he thinks he's telling someone something for the first time is pretty legit. Yeah, it's like, I have this condition.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how eyebrow raise. Yeah, the I don't know how many performances L.A. Confidential was before this. I think it was one before because in that as well, he does, He plays it straight. That's the character. Yeah. So you, for a moment, when I was ticking over in my head, how how I'd sort of comment on him in general. I was yeah. like, oh, I guess that's kind of his role. But then you, you think, oh, he was Priscilla. Yeah. So that kind of more than hundred percent accommodates um, a bit of range. So yeah, man, I'm I'm all for it. And I think he was really really good in this. Yeah, um, it like was good. He should have got some sort of awardees or some noms or something.
2: Well, it felt like he was about to be about to blow up. He auditioned for Batman, I think, with Nolan. Yeah right. And then he, I think he was nearly Two Face. I think he made some, in the short term, made a couple of dud choices. That time machine one is that Yeah, game? it's around then. And I think, um, don't get me wrong, he's had a good career. He's been busy, like yeah, he's always, he's doing, always stuff. doing stuff, and he's always like a, a good part of the movie. Like he's mm. always, it's a good. He's not struggling. It's no. just like he's become more of a Joey Pants than a, than a Brad Pitt. Perhaps, yeah. Which is fine. He's always good. He's an interesting fellow. He's married to the, the Red Woman from Game of Thrones. Is that Red Woman? Yes. I forget their names now. Is that what she was yeah. called? The Witch Lady. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He can also sing. Of course You he know, can. I'm always he's a fan. Australian. Always a fan. Most
3: Australians are triple threats. That's, that's
2: true. Quintuple threats, I say. Yeah, all of it. i got a clip, of course.
3: Yeah, he's been doing more and more music, hasn't he? Yeah, he I said he was
2: embarrassed a- about it before, like people would roll their eyes and now he's like, fuck it. I enjoy this. Yeah. And I've got enough money.
0: Yeah. I just heard the news today.
3: And winds Maybe that's what Mickey Rock would look like if he didn't get the shit kicked out of him.
2: <laughs> yeah. But Mickey Rock had work done too,
3: right? I don't want going on the record me saying that about Mickey Rock because he'll, <laughs> he'll call me out on Instagram. Oh, we will. He's Mickey Whiff. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. He's just had
2: a bit of work done. Yeah. Because
3: he, he you know, he's a professional boxer. Yeah. And he wants to be
2: an actor still. He's got a head that needs regular panel beating.
3: Not guy pissed,
2: though. No. Handsome man. Handsome man. Um, so we're getting to the verdict. Yeah.
0: I don't know what to say,
1: really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am. I'd like you to answer the question, Judge.
4: I want to have them answered immediately.
1: You can't handle the truth.
0: What are you waiting
1: for? Say what again. I dare you. nothing further,
3: Your Honor. And that's all I had to say
0: about that. I don't
2: know about you, Greg, but I think this is a rewatch. I think it's uh a nice reminder of simpler times, perhaps. The first dead wife. The first twisted time gimmick. Um in a much simpler single-minded package, so. Seeing this billion dollar man, this franchise in and of himself, play with four point five billion dollars is pretty good to watch. It's a good rewatch if you haven't watched it in a while. Don't watch it too much. Yeah, it's good to be confused. Embrace it. Enjoy. Three and a half stars.
3: You know, yeah, yeah, I get a three and a half as well. Yeah. I did like this bit that um, the great Ebert. Oh yeah, said amongst he was a fan of the movie. Yeah, um, but he did say I thought the second viewing. I thought. I thought I needed the second viewing to understand everything. Um, the second time I found the greater understanding helped on the plot level, but it didn't really make it. It kind of I, ruins it's the. just kind of, yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, So he felt like once was the right. I agree with that. Confusion is the state we're intended to be in. That's is kind nice.
2: of how. It, yeah, that's a much better way of saying what I was trying
3: to say. Was, he summarised it well. I was like, I read that and I was like, oh. He should be a professional film he, critic. <laughs> he should at least have a go.
2: <laughs> yeah, that nails it. That's exactly right. You don't want to, like, it's rewatchable really in the long term. Yeah, but like, this was the appropriate. Necessi- yeah, you don't want to go, oh, that changes everything. You don't need to know that.
3: And some movies, I nearly watched it again for that for a reason. I was like, I, I kind of maybe don't, I was yeah. too confused. But then that was kind That's of That's the point. Pain. Yeah.
2: See, so whereas, but this is interesting because Tenet, the new one, People say, oh, but if you watch it twice, it's really good. So, Why well, do I get a double pass for that or what? <laughs> <laughs> like you, What's the
3: movie cost these days? What was the, um, I don't know. I, got,
2: I, had a, I had a free pass from friends of the show, of Val Morgan. Ah, good people. Shout out to the good people of Val Morgan good and Hoyt, big friends of the show. But, yeah, like that movie I enjoyed, but there's a lot going on that they're just kind of talking at you, explaining things. You're like, wait, what do you mean? What? And then there's a cool set piece and you're like, it felt like it didn't even need to be that complicated though. That's the part that stings. Mm, yeah. Like, they didn't need to anyway. This is not a Tenet episode. <laughs> That'll come in twenty years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um I didn't do any recasts this, did you?
3: I didn't. I think because I also read her out about Brad Pitt. It's pretty good. And I was like, Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. It's kind of his jam. I yeah. didn't bother with anything more modern. Um Boeuf. Um It's <laughs> not
2: bad. He can do anything. (laughs) He can do Spicoli. Oh, what a highlight. Uh, Given there's not many movies this year, can he get nominated for his Spicoli? Yes. (laughs) Ask the Nolans. Yeah, the Nolans will do it. I'll sort it out. Um, Did Simpsons do it? Apparently, yes, but I can't find the clip. I found an animated GIF of Homer with words all over him. And it ah, says something like drink Buzz Cola. uh, I missed that one. But I don't know. There's an
3: episode called Eternal Moonshine of The Simpsons' mind and, and from season 19 Homer goes on a bender and then wants to forget about it or forgets it. Uh, but there's a scene where Mo spits in his drink.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. It. We were talking about Charlie Kaufman before, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. It was all full of 360 degrees. Wow. Wow. Keep going. Um, Porn parody, I could not find... Um, despite my extensive search, I some pegging though. <laughs> some Bechdel test, kind of the opposite. We've got Friggin here. Friggin,
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's a good addition to our vernacular. It, it's pretty good. Yeah,
2: we learned so much oh, about feminism and pictures and such. Um, FX test, you know, there's they, they kept it very um, conservative here with the there were no flipping of trucks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No folding of cities.
3: <laughs> there was No bl- falling through universe floors. There was black and white.
2: <laughs> and there was the reverses in the beginning, that opening scene, mm-hmm. which apparently the, they shot in a reverse camera, which is a thing or something. I mean, that's not the right terminology, but you can shoot something backwards.
3: <laughs> but that's effectively what it does. I
2: don't get how that works. Neither. There were no explosions, no Molotov cocktails in this. That's a ding. Mm. Like a bad ding. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ding yeah. against it. A negative ding. Um, six Degrees of JCVD I did not do.
3: Oh, but we had the clip that gave it to us, mate.
2: Oh, what was it?
3: Scott and Charlene are our best friends. Oh. Charlene, played by Wiley Minogue.
2: Oh, yeah. Wiley Minogue's
3: from street fighter. She had an affair.
2: Oh, my God. With
3: JCVD. You
2: nailed it. You nailed it. See, I went down to Joey Pants thing because I thought, he's been in like a hundred movies.
3: Did you? Oh, do you know what? I, I started, I don't know where it clicked. I went down the… Um, and then it was five o'clock.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and we, we've got, the, a, the we've got our cut off rule.
3: <laughs> Who's the guy at the discount in? Mark Boone Jr. Oh, yeah. I thought he's been in Yeah, to it. So I started looking and I don't know. Then I went to JCVD, sometimes I have a look at his, and then I was like, read about, oh, I hate Seymour, and then I read about Kyler Minogue and I was like, <gasps> God bless. Yeah. Neighbours.
2: That's perfect, and they said Charlene. Oh, yeah, man. when you
3: played that clip, I was like, whoa, whoa.
2: "Who's your MVP though?"
3: Uh, it is Guy Pierce.
2: Oh, mine's Joey Pants.
3: Uh, I, look, as
2: a, he's, he wasn't my MVP for this, I thought I found him, I found him so delightful. Lenny, yeah, yeah.
3: It was yeah good. I'm glad we disagree.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I don't disagree. I think that he's great too, just not the most valuable.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we disagree. <laughs> Yeah. Creating some tension here. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sure he breaks that tension. Low, v, low, v, low key VP. I did have Mark Boone Jr. Yeah. As, the, as the stoner discounting guy. Yeah. Do you know he's 65 years old? Fuck. He looks, well, he looks old, but. I, I guess don't that know. movie's 20 years old. Yeah. So yeah. He but he would
2: have been 45 then.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I thought he was going to be like our age. Yeah.
2: But he's not. All the wrong ones are our age. Childish Gambino, just 1037. Well, what's he done? <laughs> yeah. Not much if you ask me. <laughs> Except for all of the fucking things. Mother
3: Man, Just give us one of your give me one of the things. Give me one of
2: your streams. You know, uh, D- uh Donald Glover got his name by putting his name into a Wu Tang clan name generator. You mm-hmm. mm-hmm. got childish gambino. Mm-hmm. I put my name in. What'd you get? Needy Intellectual <laughs> <laughs> It's facts. Uh I think um pseudo intellectual would be more appropriate.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Like the needy. Yeah. Learned. learned. <laughs> Half learned. Um what are we doing next week? I don't know again.
3: Uh Oh. Next week I think we're doing Predator. Which we've already recorded. Special guest. The voice. The voice. That's exciting.
2: Very exciting.
3: And it's a long weekend here in Australia so you'll have a whole day to listen to us on the Monday, which must, <laughs> which I'm sure everyone's marked in their calendar. Yeah. What, what else are you going to be doing? Yeah. Jeez. One weekend away. Pfft.
2: Yeah, it is Predator, and then we got Mr. Destiny, and then we got Higher Learning, and then we got Time Gap. Oh, and don't
3: forget for Mr. Destiny, you have to write a plot synopsis. Before oh, I you watch do.
2: It. Yeah, I look forward to that one.
3: But Predator next week, big yeah. prime lap pack, arguably the laddiest of packs. Yeah. 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 Before this they is the invented one. the Expendables. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, leave us a review if you can, if you haven't already. I know we've got some new listeners. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're enjoying the show. Um, Find us on Instagram. Hey, if you've. And Facebook and such. Uh,
3: Yeah, wherever you socialise. Yeah. On the media. Yeah. Hey, um, if if you do have extra time on the Monday, you want to listen to this again, maybe listen to it in reverse.
2: Oh, that's a good idea. Mm. Or while walking backwards. Yes. Or put your headphones on back to front. That should play backwards, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All Try, right. Drive backwards to Monday. Bye. <laughs>
0: Experience.